0: This is the Radio Bible Class, and I'm your host, Tim Carter. We welcome you to our Bible study as the Radio Bible Class streams across the nation and around the world. We bring to you a message how Christ ministers to His disciples after the resurrection. We greet you on the internet and radio with a message that Jesus is alive today. Now today's lesson is titled Waiting on God, and it comes from 2 Samuel 5, 1-5. But before we start our lesson today, WordTalk Inc. could use your support. Now, Playing music on the radio may sound simple, but actually it's quite costly due to publishing rights and royalties. And before that first song is ever played, there's utility bills and tire rental fees and maintenance and so forth. We need people just like you to help with the tax-deductible gifts, so won't you do that today? You can do that by calling us at 601-483-8648. There they can take your information safely and securely over the phone. Our mental gift, to Word Talk, Inc., P.O. Box 4334, Meridian, Mississippi 39304. Now, your gift, to Word Talk, Inc., is IRS-approved as a 501c3 tax-exempt ministry. Now, your contribution is never used for salaries or managerial purposes, but 100% of it goes to the expense of providing the good news of Jesus Christ to our listening area. Hebrews 13, 16 says... Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. If you'd like to go back and listen to a previous lesson, you can do that by going to our podcast website. That's radiobibleclass.podbean.com. Radio Bible Class with no spaces between radiobibleclass.podbean.com. Or you can catch us wherever you listen to your podcast, whether that's on Spotify, whether it's on Amazon, whether it's on Google, whether that's on iTunes, whether that's on TuneIn, or whatever platform that you listen to podcasts we're there too just search for wmer radio bible class with no spaces between radio bible class today we start off in the section of the book that we've been building up to really since first samuel but the whole book of 2 samuel is about david's reign as king and we've kind of seen that how he becomes king in chapter one of judah And then we saw the seven and a half year battle that's been the civil war that's been going on between the 11 tribes and the tribe of Judah. And anyhow, they battled for seven and a half years because there's this leader that was the general for King Saul. King Saul died, if you remember, in 1 Samuel right there at the very end. But his general, Abner, didn't die for whatever reason in that battle. So he took Ishbosheth. He was a son of King Saul through a concubine. Abner says, I want to keep my power. So he puts Ishbosheth up as king, as a puppet. And then we see in chapters two and even in chapter three, this battling that goes on to the point that the Bible tells us that the house of David became stronger and the house of King Saul became weaker. And so Abner says, let's make a deal. He decides that he better hurry up and make a deal with David. Otherwise, the general for David was Joab, He's like, I'm not going to have a place in that army. I'm going to lose all my power. And so he goes to David and makes a deal. Joab finds out about it. He's not happy because, remember, Abner killed his brother. And so he tricks him to come back in front of the gate where they did business, and he stabs him in the stomach and he kills Abner. There's a funeral. David is saddened there. It's openly weeping there. The people see that David didn't want Abner dead. He didn't order his death. And so that gives David favor with the folks outside of the tribe of Judah. Last week that there were these two commanders that were in King Ishbosheth. Two of a a couple of the main leaders there, and now that Abner's dead, they saw him as a weak leader, and they said, hey, we got an opportunity to get our place with King David. All we got to do is kill him, and they do that. They trick him, they go in, and they kill him. They cut off his head, they take it down to King David, and David has them killed because of it. He says, you've killed a righteous man. He did nothing wrong. Who are you to decide who should die and who shouldn't? With that said, David has them executed, just like he did the Malachite who admitted to killing King Saul. So that really takes us to where we are today, and so that's where we're going to pick up. This opens up the opportunity now for David to be king. So let's look at that. Turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 5. We'll start with verse 1. Then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said, Behold, we are your bone and flesh. In times past, when Saul was king over us, it was you who led out and brought in Israel. And the Lord said to you, You shall be shepherd of my people Israel, and you shall be prince over Israel. So all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, and King David was, made a covenant with them at Hebron and before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. And David was thirty years old when he began to reign, and he reigned for forty years. At Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years and six months. And in Jerusalem, he reigned over Israel for 33 years. So there we see that he reigned for 40 years. He was 30 years old. You might ask, him, why are we talking about waiting on the Lord? Well, David, if you remember, was 15 years old, is what commentators say when he was anointed. So 15 years have gone past. From the time that he was anointed king to the time he actually got the authority to be king. Ten of those years, he was running for his life. Ten of those years, King Saul was jealous of him to the point that he wanted him dead. But as we study about King David, the things that we can learn through and from King David, one of the things we can learn is how to wait on the Lord. Because this was a strength of David. David was good at waiting on the Lord. I think if we're all honest, this is an area that we need some improvement in. I know I do. I'm great at waiting as long as it's right now. So what I'm really telling you is I'm not very good at waiting. I want it and I want it all right now. I don't want to wait for it. And that's the problem we're with today. Our society today wants it and they want it right now. We live in a society where we have instant food. We have a microwave where we can throw things into the microwave, we heat them up, and we eat it right away. But even then, it takes three minutes to cook a bag of popcorn, but we don't understand why it took three minutes. That seems so long. But in life, we have to wait. That's just a way of life. We have to wait in line. If you've ever gone to get your license renewed, you know how long you have to wait there. If you ever wanted a job, if you want that right job, a lot of times we have to wait to get it relationships. How long did you have to wait to find the right person? It just didn't probably happen. What about sicknesses and getting healed over that sickness? We have to wait. Even though we want to be healed immediately, sometimes it takes time for our body to heal. We have to wait in life. Another area we have to wait is in our spiritual growth. A lot of times we want everything in our spiritual growth immediately. It's like, hey, I got saved. I should have everything. Well, we do have everything. As soon as we become uh, heir to the Father, as soon as we become joint heirs with Jesus Christ, we get everything. But it takes us a while to learn how to to use that, how to walk in it. Also, I think if every Christian was honest, we get tired of waiting. We're like, "Lord, where are you? Why haven't I got this yet?" Sometimes we just want to throw the towel in. But I've talked about this before. I want you to turn with me real quick to Galatians 6:9. Turn with me Galatians 6:9. I'll be reading out the ESV. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. What it says right here is don't grow weary, keep doing good. Keep doing what the Bible tells us. Keep following after the Lord. Try to be more like the Lord. Try to mirror Christ through you. And in due time, in due time, what that means in God's time, not our time, but in God's time, He will let us reap the reward that we've been waiting for. The New Living Translation says that we will reap a harvest of blessings if we don't give up, if we are faithful. If we don't look at the outcome, but we're just faithful on what we're doing, then we will reap a reward. And that's what the promise that we have in Galatians 6, 9. But today we're going to talk about waiting on God. David, we saw that in verse 4, 2 Samuel verse 4, it said, David was 30 years old when he began his reign. Well, Remember, I told you he was 15 when he was anointed. Think about that. Well, there's three main points I want to cover. And for my note takers, here's the first one. He didn't know the timeline. If he did, he may not have let Samuel anoint him. Because I don't know that a lot of times God doesn't show us the timeline or we wouldn't accept whatever promise he gives us. Because there is a season that we have to go through to be prepared for what the promise and the due time that we receive that blessing that we saw in Galatians. But he didn't know the timeline. If you go all the way back to 1 Samuel 16, you'll read about how that David was out in the field. He wasn't even... at the house of Jesse when they went through all the other boys. But God said, no, 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 no. There's someone else. And so Samuel asked Jesse, is there somebody else? He's like, yeah, there's my son. He's out watching the sheep. He's like, go get him. So he brings him in. Immediately, the Lord said, this is the one. This is the one I want you to anoint. Think about David. I mean, things were different back then than they are today. But being 15 years old, knowing that you're going to be king and you're a teen. Now, if that had happened... And David lived in this time? You know what would happen? Immediately he would have tweeted out, Yo man, I just got anointed king of the nation of Israel. He would have been taking selfies of the anointing of his greasy hair. He would have probably done an Instagram video and posted out on Facebook of him walking through King Saul's palace saying, This is all mine, bro. And in today's society, when King Saul didn't immediately step down, he would have got him a lawyer And he would have went after him saying, hey, wait, you're holding me back. But that's not what King David did. David understood that the Lord's timing would come soon enough. As we talked about, as he ran for 10 years, he had multiple times when people told him, go ahead and kill King Saul when they were in the cave. And Saul was using the bathroom and he cut the corner of his robe off. He could have killed him then, but he didn't. He said, I won't touch God's anointed." Again, King Saul was asleep. Abner was asleep right beside him. David comes into the camp. He could have killed him there, but he didn't. Instead, he took his spear and he took uh, his helmet and he, he went out. And then he woke everybody up and said, hey, look, Abner, you didn't do your job. I could have killed the king. You should be penalized. You should be facing death because the king could have died if I wanted to do it. But for 10 years, David ran and eventually he got tired of running. And he went down and lived with the Philistines for three to five years before he comes now back and takes over Judah and goes to the civil war for seven and a half years. King Ishbosheth comes up, it's all divided because Abner doesn't want to give up his power. See, David should have been king seven and a half years ago, but we see that he becomes king now over the whole nation of Israel. Feel like I'm speaking to somebody today. The Lord has called and made you a promise. Yet you're trying to do everything on your timeline. And the Lord is saying, wait on me in due season. Are you overly concerned with the timeline? Are you willing to work on God's timeline? Sadly, our society's made us weak when it comes to being patient and waiting. People had to wait thousands of years to see the promise of King David and then the Messiah. But we can't seem to handle a week, a long week, a a busy week because we're weak. We want everything right now. We want it all, and we want it all right now. You know, we live in great times. We live in the time of the internet where everything is at our fingertip. I don't know what something is. I want to learn about something. I just Google it real quick. I can remember growing up, and my biggest idea waiting is this thing called MTV, and they would play videos on the weekend. And so we would put it on the MTV channel to listen to that one new video that was coming out. And I would be there all day trying to catch that video, to listen and see that video. It wasn't like I could just go play it like I can today. I had to wait. I'd have folks call and say, hey, Tim, let's go do so-and-so. I'm like, well, hey, man, I'm waiting to see this video. Why don't you come over? We'll watch it. Once it comes on, then we can go do that. But we would wait and wait and wait till that video played. I think about one of my daughters who's moved out to her own home, and she can't understand why she doesn't already have everything we have at our house. But when Sandra and I got married over 36 years ago, guess what? We didn't have anything. We had a couple of lawn chairs. We had a table that was given to us, a couple of chairs there. We we didn't have a, a TV. We didn't even have a coffee table. We had a bed. We had a table and chairs to eat on, and then we had a couple of lawn chairs to watch a TV with. We had nothing. We were dirt poor, but we were happy. We were newlyweds, and we've acquired stuff, but we had to wait to be able to buy our first couch. We had to wait to be able to buy that recliner that we wanted. We had to wait as we bought a different car. We had to wait and the problem is today, society doesn't want to wait. My daughter, uh, it's a teachable moment for her, but she doesn't understand why she doesn't have everything in her house the same way w- her mom does today, that she's acquired over 36 years. I'm going to move on because I feel like God's spoken some things over someone and it hasn't come to pass yet. So you're out there just waiting like David. Listen to what Psalms 40, 1 through 3 says. This is a... Psalm of David. It says that right up at the top before verse one. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my step secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. See, I love the Psalms because David pours out his heart. We see his heart as he writes these, as the Lord inspires him to write these psalms and sing praises to him. And We see right here where David says, You heard my cry. You picked me out and you put me up on sure ground. I waited on you and you heard my cry. To that one that I'm speaking to, God hears your prayers. Know that. He knows your prayer. He knew it before you prayed it. God knows it. God is going to give you what he's promised you but it's on his timeline. It's not on yours. I said this last week. God is never early. God is never late. God is always on time. That's what the Bible teaches us. God is always on time. Leviticus 26, verse 4, reading out of the ESV. Then I will give you your rains in their season, and the land shall yield its increase, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. What the Lord is speaking here through Moses is that the rain will come in their season. The land will increase in its season. The trees will produce the fruit. The field will produce its fruit in their season. The Lord is saying that you have to wait. You don't plant a seed, and then immediately it comes. Someone, God has told you about the seed planting, and he's telling you that you don't have the timeline. I have the timeline. Wait on God's timeline. The second thing I want us to see from David's life is that David didn't know the process. God had a process that he wanted David to go through to prepare him to be the king that he needed to be. There was stuff that David needed to walk through, there were years that David needed to spend as a shepherd, as a servant to Saul, as years that he ran from Saul, years in civil war to become the king that the nation of Israel truly needed, the king that God wanted him to be. When God told Samuel to anoint him and pour that all over his head, he had no idea the process that he was going to go through. I wonder how many times when he was running from King Saul, he asked the question, why did he have to go through this process? We love to ask that question, Lord, why am I going through this? But the Lord has a process that he puts us through. But he trusted God through the process, and we need to do it also. He trusted the Lord, and guess what? He's now anointed king of the nation of Israel. I think about Joseph and the whole story there. It starts in Genesis about chapter 37. It goes to like 52. But Joseph had to go through that same process. Joseph was given a dream early. Remember, he told that dream to his mom, his dad, and his brothers. They all got mad at him. And what happened? He got sold to slavery. He went into jail. But eventually, he became the number two man in all the land. And it says right there in Genesis 50, 20, but for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. And someone needs to hear that today. There's a process that God is putting you through. You may see people doing evil things to you, but there's a process that God is going to use it for good. You're going, well, Tim, it was just luck that he wound up becoming king. I don't think so. Remember, he put his trust in God because he had those chances to kill King Saul, and he didn't. That showed his trust in God's process and that God would take care of him, even though Saul would still try to kill him for 10 years. Again, I want to look at a psalm that David wrote, Psalm 20. Again, it says a psalm of David. Look at verse 6 with me. Now, I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. So we see right here that David is saying that I know I'm your anointed and I can trust you. Some people are going to put their trust in horses. Some people are going to put their trust in chariots or money or in the world. I'm putting my trust in you, Lord. The question for somebody today, are you allowing the Lord's process? Sadly, there's too many Christians walking around today and they say, I want what the people in the Bible have. But you know what's wrong? They don't want the process those people had to live through to get that. I would tell you, if you're the one that you're not listening to the Lord's process, you don't see it as a process that God's using it to better you, embrace it. Quit worrying about it and embrace the process. Walk with the Lord in faith, just like David did. When I talk to someone about walking through this process that God worked through us, I always send them back to Romans 5, 3 through 4. Turn to that real quickly with me. Romans 5, verses 3 and 4. Not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that the suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given to us. See, what it says right here is the process is to help us. It produces endurance, it produces character. We look more like the Holy Spirit working through us, makes us look more like Jesus Christ. It produces that character, and it also produces hope. And then, my third and final point is David didn't know the timeline, David didn't know the process, and he didn't know the outcome. David had no idea what all would come out of him being king. He knew that he was going to be king. He was anointed king, but he didn't know that the Messiah would come through him. What David did know was David was supposed to be faithful. You know, that bear came before him. Kill a bear? Okay, I'll do it, Lord. Kill a lion? Sure. If you are with me, Lord, I'll do it. Go face Goliath? I'll do it. I'll take him down because I know you will be faithful and you'll be there with me. Through the process, it built that endurance. It built that hope. It built that faithfulness. He didn't know the outcome that would come That would come out of his seed. He didn't know about the Messiah that would come, that would go to a cross and make it so everyone can call on his name, asking to be Lord of their life. His blood would wash our sins clean. When we stand before Almighty God, when we stand before God, God Himself. He doesn't see our sins. He sees His Son's blood that covers our sin, that washes us white as snow. See, David didn't know the timeline. He didn't know the process, and he sure didn't know the outcome. He was out there watching the sheep. And then the next thing you know, he was being pursued. And then the next thing you know, he's crowned king. But that wasn't the end. That's not the end with him becoming king. Eventually, the Messiah will come through him and he will change the way that we are able to stand before God. It'll be a few more weeks before we get there, but I want to read 2 Samuel 7, 12. I want to hear the prophecy that is spoken to David. Turn with me to 2 Samuel 7, verse 12. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Nathan is telling David that the Messiah is going to come from your seed, and he will reign forever. You don't understand the timeline, you don't understand the process, and you sure don't understand the outcome. You don't even know how God is going to use what you're going through at this very moment to bring him glory. You don't know the end results of where God is taking you, how he's going to use you, and the story that he's going to write through you, and yet you're complaining about the process. You're complaining about the timeline. You're complaining about the outcome. Today, you should trust the Lord. You need to understand that this is something that the Lord is using, and he's making something great out of whatever you're going through. He's making something great out of your life, even though you may not think you matter. He's making something great, even though you're waiting on him to give you what you think is the outcome. Here's what I do know. God works all things for your good. In Romans 8, 28, out of the New Living Translation, it says, We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. God is a good God, and he has a good plan for your life. Other people have bad plans for your life, and you make some bad decisions along the way, but God has a good plan. He's the only one that has the right plan for your life. Not everything in your life may be good. God didn't promise that. He didn't say everything that happens in your life would be good. But what he does say is, even though we live on a broken planet, and even though nothing perfect is in this planet, and even though your body is broken and isn't perfect, it doesn't matter that everything doesn't work the right way, but it, God will use that for the good. See, God didn't promise us perfection. That's called heaven. That's where we're going one day. There is no sorrow there. There's no sadness there. There's no sickness there. There's no suffering there. We shouldn't expect heaven right here on earth. But earth is filled with brokenness. And we live in the middle of this brokenness. But God has a good plan for you. He has a great plan that he can even use your bad choices. He can even use the mistakes you've made in life. Even the foolish decisions you made, he can make good. And that's what the Bible's telling us right here in Romans 8, 28. That God can cause everything to work together for the good. For those who love God and are called according to his purpose. We love to quote this promise, but this promise isn't for everybody in the world. Not everything is working together for the good for everybody. That's not what this says. But everything is working together for the good For those who say, God, I give you my life. I want to fulfill my purpose that you made for me. Even then, it doesn't say all things are good. It just says all things work together for the good. Even the bad, even the bitter stuff works for the good when we give our life to God and we walk under his leading. I heard a pastor give an example on this. He said, have you ever noticed that when you make a cake, each of the individual ingredients don't really taste that great? Flour by itself isn't that great tasting. Raw eggs, who wants to eat that? Vanilla isn't that great. But if you mix it all together, it becomes a masterpiece. Everybody wants a slice of it. When you allow God to work all the ingredients together, when you use his timeline, when you use his process, and when you use his outcome, God can take that bitter and he can put it in the batter. He can take the bad decision and put it in the batter. He can take the things that you don't like, and put it in the batter, and he makes it better. And when it comes out with the great tasting cake, because he's God and he's good. Here's what I'll say in closing. If you showed up today because you're waiting on God, if you're waiting on his timeline, or if you're not happy with this process, or if you're not even understanding what the outcome is, what I can promise you is that God will make it ultimately good. Will you trust him? Will you be faithful through the process like David was? Will you wait on him like David did? Will you walk under his guidance like David did? Let us pray. Dearly Father, we come before you today, Lord. We thank you for this time together, Lord. We just looked at five simple verses here, but we saw as we studied this whole book, 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, how David was anointed in chapter 16 of 1 Samuel, and he waited 15 years. Lord, there are some today that are waiting on a promise or something from you to make it good. Lord, I understand that it is your timeline. And Lord, I pray today that they would understand that, that these words will not fall on deaf ears, but they will fall down in deep richness in their soul and that you will help bring it back to remembrance to them as they're going through a time or struggle. Lord, as they're waiting on you, Lord, I pray today that they would just say, I'm going to step away from me, out of my flesh, and I'm going to walk in your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray today, the one that is struggling with that, that they'll just give it to you, that they'll humble themselves like you ask us to be as we come before you. Lord, that they'll just continue to wait on you and say, Lord, just help me through the next day, the next week. Lord, just help them as they make it through this week. Lord, I pray for the one that maybe doesn't understand any of this all. They've never given you their heart. Lord, your word tells us that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all have a sin problem. That if we will confess, half the problem is we have to admit we're a sinner. We can't be saved until we understand that we're lost and we need a Savior. We have to admit that we're a sinner and we need you. We need you, Lord of our life. We have to ask you to come into our heart. And we believe that you will do that. You will clean us. You'll take in our sins. You washed them free on the cross. And then, Lord, we pray that, that they would confess with their mouth that you are Lord of their life and that they'll chase after you and they'll chase after to look more like you every day through their process. Well, we thank you and we praise you. We're going to give you all the honor and glory. It's in your name we pray. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.